Listener Production. Why are all the good songs written for people in their early 20s? Why is it as we get older and we have partners and children and pets and parents-in-law, mortgages and muscle aches, that music just stops being written about our experiences? Claire Tonti is trying to change that. She's a teacher turned podcaster turned musician and she's just released her debut album, Matrescence. 11 original tracks, stripped back acoustic folk, Claire sings about everything from birth trauma to what it means to be a woman, loss of identity and independence and the transition to motherhood. My name is Jamila Rizvi and welcome to The Weekend Briefing. Up next, The Weekend List, where we recommend what to watch, see, do, eat and listen to. But first, here is my conversation with the wonderful Claire Tonti about taking risks, changing careers in midlife and making music for the person you once were and the person you are now. Hey, Claire Tonti, welcome to The Weekend Briefing. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Jam. I'm so excited to be here. I am absolutely thrilled to have you and I want to start not at the beginning, folks. You are so used to me on the weekend briefing taking people back to their childhood. We will totally go back in time a bit later because you had your first live show as a professional musician. And that's not always a strange thing here on a podcast like The Briefing because we interview musicians and performers all the time. But this is a new, entirely new career for you. So tell me what that felt like. On Saturday, I launched this whole album that I hadn't realised I was writing of 11 songs called Matrescence about, yeah, the journey through motherhood that we go through that's equivalent to adolescence. And most of the people in the room had never seen me perform. There were so many women in the room who I'm parenting with, you know, co-parenting alongside who are the mums of my son's friends and people from all different parts of my life. But I was so calm because it felt like coming home to myself. You weren't nervous? No, I was nervous before. Don't get me wrong. I was nervous during the week, but my my singing teacher, Bianca, gave me some really amazing meditation techniques. And she also said, what you have to do is get in your body. And so being in the room, breathing, shaking, which is another thing I didn't realize, but before you go on stage, like a duck or a dog will shake to get the tension off. And as an artist, that really helps kind of bring you into yourself. I don't know if you do that when you're public speaking before you get on stage, but throwing all that nervous energy away and then just the privilege of getting to sing and talk about this huge life stage that I've only really started to learn more about in matrescence. Um, In the end, yeah, I just loved it, Jam. I just cried a lot and laughed a lot and was so grateful. So, and I know you were there and it was so special to have you in the audience too. The album is called Matrescence and that is a word I'm a little bit embarrassed to admit (laughs) I had not heard before. And when you told me it was the name of your album, I was like, good on Claire, she's making up words, like Shakespeare. Uh, That's not the case. Tell us about why you chose that as the name for the album and what it means. (laughs) I know, so many people 
people, I didn't know what it was and so many other people as well are having trouble pronouncing it even. So when you think matrescence, think adolescence. So all of those big hormone shifts, the identity crisis, your body's doing strange things, all of that, that's what happens to women when they go through motherhood. And suddenly when I say that, it makes so much sense. So the word matrescence um, was first coined by Dana Raphael in the 1970s, who was an anthropologist. And she was kind of looking at it through that lens of what happens to mothers when they give birth. Um, And then Aureli Athen revived it in 2008. um, And she's a reproductive psychologist at Columbia University. And she wanted to look at it from a mental health perspective for women. And what she found, and for people who give birth, what she found was we're profoundly changed, not only psychologically and physically, it can be spiritually, um, hormonally, a whole yeah. social networks change. It's a momentous transition for women. And once I heard that word, I thought, gosh, that makes so much sense why I found those early days of motherhood so challenging. I love that term because I have lived it and I have felt it, but I never had the language for it. And thinking about matrescence as a, as a kind of another adolescence for women, that it is a new becoming and a, a massive upheaval in so many ways, as you say, of your of your hormones and of your body, but also of, of your psychology and your emotion makes so much sense to me. I have never heard songs about that. <laughs> I've never heard songs about the transition to motherhood. Occasionally you, you, you do hear a pop star sing about, about parenthood. That, that happens now and then. But so many of the songs that um, define our culture are for us in our late teens and 20s, right? They're about new love. They're about young love. They're about lust and sex and power. And we don't really sing about the complexity of motherhood. Did you try to write songs that you didn't have? Maybe. If I'm honest, I didn't know I was writing an album about matrescence. I was writing an album about what I felt and yeah. what, and I'd been through birth trauma and then I think undiagnosed postnatal depression. And I looked around at that time and I just couldn't find art, particularly music, because I'm a music person, that spoke to me. Um, But I never intended to write for anyone else. I was writing these songs. They almost burst out of me. Some of the songs came out in like 20 minutes, really, the lyrics. I mean, afterwards the instrumentation came later, but I had these experiences where I almost felt like if I didn't write these down, someone else was going to because... They came out so fully formed. I don't know if they were sitting in the back of my head for a really long time, but I found that transition through matrescence so monumental and so challenging. It took me to my very limits and the edge of who I was as a person. And the loss of identity, I was floored by. I mean, I was a primary school teacher beforehand and I love kids. So I assumed I would earth mother my way through the whole process, (laughs) you know, And instead, and I think it's a common story, I felt really um, at sea in the system. I I came up against some midwives, and there are incredible midwives, but I came up against some who were not supportive of me um, and who then I think made my birth experience really even more challenging than it needed to be. Um, So I ended up in surgery afterwards when my son was finally born. So I didn't spend those first few hours with him. Um, 
And that in itself, feeling so out of control and in so much pain was so unexpected. So yeah, those songs came out of that time. And then the challenging part of breastfeeding when it's not going well, I wrote a song called Self, um, which was the hardest song to write on the album because I think it was about that exact feeling of losing yourself, feeling like you're not good enough and that the messaging is just keep trying. You should be doing it better, particularly with breastfeeding. But I think that resonates with lots of aspects of motherhood. You see this kind of perfect idea of what it should be like and you should love your kids every minute of the day and you should be able to do this thing while you feel like your body has completely fallen apart and you're not sleeping and um, it's a really fragile time. I was in the audience, as you as you mentioned, you and I are mates, and I was sitting with a whole bunch of friends of ours who are all all parents as well, all mothers, and it was so interesting the the comments that were made afterwards. We all felt like we had gone on this journey with you, this journey of your life at a level of intimacy that even from being friends, I don't think we had before. And at the same time, we were also reflecting on our own experiences. But the universal comment was, oh my God, I could never. She is amazing. And I do think that we teach kids that having aspirations to be a pop star or an actor or whatever it might be, those, 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 an athlete, those kinds of uh, jobs that we hold up and idolise, we let kids have that imagination and then we tell them very quickly, usually around mid-teens, that's not a realistic dream. Mm-hmm. Now, you have had two other careers as a teacher and as a podcaster and business person. What gave you the courage to take the leap now to do this thing that so many people dream of, but so few actually chase? So I'm 37 and I think that I lost my dad maybe how long ago? Eight years ago. Um, I experienced after the birth of my son, he had a lot of health issues too. Then I experienced a really difficult miscarriage. I fell over one night running and knocked my teeth out, (laughs) had a lot of... um, dental surgery that was really painful during that time. Um, And then COVID hit when my daughter was born during that time. Um, We were homeschooling, we were still working, we were doing all the things that I know so many parents were doing in that juggle of life just being incredibly challenging and very discombobulating in this sense that we had no idea what the future was going to hold and what our lives would look like. I mean, even in terms of climate change, what the future looks like for our kids. And I can only say that I think when you experience and you see around you people experiencing incredibly difficult stuff, I don't know, I just think life is short. If you want to do, have a go, you know, I've lost friends during this time who aren't here anymore, who would bloody love to write an album, you know, or be in a video clip or, or it, it was almost like I could no longer pretend I wasn't this person. It was like I'd hidden myself for so long and stayed smaller for so long, probably because as a woman, sometimes I felt like I was too much. Um, in different situations in teaching and in my life and there was this sense that I should hide a little bit to protect myself from hurt or from people. But then when all that happened last year, I just threw it out the window jam and thought, I'm just going to go for it. Life is short. Why not? Go be a musician. 
fun and it's been an adventure so far in the end. So who knows where it'll go next, but um, overwhelmingly grateful to be doing it. Let's zoom back a little bit. You mentioned uh, feeling like you were too much, um, both as an adolescent and then even as a teacher in your in your first career. I think that's something a lot of people relate to, that, that sense that they are too much for everybody else, too much for the world, that, that, you, that you have to dial the, the, um, the authentic version of you down a little bit because it's mm. just a bit too noisy, a bit too in people's face. Um, what was that like for you and do you remember having the realisation for the first time that maybe you should be, I don't want to use the word should, but you should be quieter or smaller? When, did, when were you first made to feel that way? Look, I think it was probably when I moved school. So I went to school prep in Canberra. So my dad was working at Parliament House and I remember feeling like part of, I just loved it. I love everything. I'm very enthusiastic as a person. I don't know if you could tell. And so generally my go-to emotion is joy. Wherever we're at, I'm into it. And then I moved schools to Melbourne and the school that I went to, I think in hindsight was very conservative. Um, It was just a Catholic primary school, but I think I walked in in a matching purple top and skirt at six to like do the orientation. And it was the second term of grade one. And I remember walking in and like saying hi to everyone and introducing myself, which is a thing that I like to do and have a good chat. And so even at six, I'm sure I was like that. And there was this sense of like, who are you? That was the feeling yeah, I got. How dare you? How dare you? Yeah. And and this sense that like I didn't belong and that I was the new kid, but also that I was this new kid who wanted to ask a lot of questions in class. And I felt like in Canberra, for whatever reason, the kids there were like a little different. You know, all of that stuff. Uh, yeah, I got that sense from very early on that I was different. I was too loud and I sang everywhere and that was kind of weird and I was nerdy. And also I um, got quite chubby that year as well as a kid. And I feel like when you're a girl and that happens, there was some messaging I got from the culture that you're not only too loud and too enthusiastic, you're also too big. And so you don't deserve to be able to have a big voice because you don't look the way that other other girls should look, you know. And and that kind of carried through for me, I think, as I got older. I was put on a diet around grade two, grade, end of grade one, grade two, where I had to bring the dietitian everything I was eating and they would look at it and, and tell me I was doing a good job. So I lost a little bit of weight in grade two, which is like seven, so young. But the the sort of response I got back was well done, you know, oh, aren't you great? Yeah, you were praised. Yeah. yeah. And so then I got this message again that not only don't be too loud, don't ask too many questions and don't love stuff as much as you do, but also make sure your body stays small. And I was dancing at the time as well. I love dance. I mean, I love everything. I bloody love dancing as well. <laughs> so I was doing like ballet and I got moved up a level because um, they saw that I was, you know, really loved doing it. And, but I, I was not a ballerina's body. And I remember the messaging I got from there as well was, well, we're not giving you lead roles because, you know, you won't fit into the costumes. And if you want to do point one day, you need to lose some weight. And I remember comments from other mothers around me and, and yeah, over time that erodes little pieces of you, not all at once, 
But just like years and years of that, and then you hit high school and that happens and we all know how challenging high school can be and I went to an all-girls school and I was such a fish out of water there as well. I also came from a really conservative Catholic background and so that was some messaging there too. I always saw the priest we would go to mass every Sunday and I always thought that looks like so much fun. We had this priest who would sing songs and tell jokes. I want to do that. And then you realise, well, actually you can't in the Catholic church. You know, there's lots of messages that you get subtly from all kinds of places. Claire, what drew you to teaching in the first place? And I'm really interested here in knowing how teaching shapes the kind of parent that you want to become? Mm, Great question. So I always love working with kids. I think one of the reasons um, I really resonate with them is that kind of unbridled enthusiasm and authenticity. They're just themselves. And it always made sense to me. I sometimes walk around the world and realise people aren't being themselves. They've built up all these walls. And I just never understand that, whereas kids have always made sense to me. So that was part of it. I think also I was forward thinking. I wanted to have a family one day. And so I knew that teaching had really flexible hours you had in terms of like school holidays, you could travel with it. I also had, um, grew up with a really strong sense of social justice. So that was a big part of it as well. My parents are really passionate about community work and giving back. And I had this strong sense that I could help kids too. Um, and I also love being a part of a community and I love performing and, and creativity. So all of those things kind of combined to make teaching seem like a really good pathway. I actually got into a Bachelor of Music um, when I you know, finished year 12, but then at the last minute thought, that's not sensible. I, you know, I can't do that as a career. So then I changed and just did a diploma of music with my Bachelor of Education. And look, I love teaching in so many ways, such a privilege to not only spend that time with kids, and you're right, it is performative too. It's a captive audience every day. And I think the greatest advice I got, which as a teacher makes sense, but also as a parent, is that kids will do so much more of what you are doing than what you are saying to them. And that, yes, big, right? And terrifying. (laughs) A lot of, in some ways, a lot of pressure, but, you know, remembering that, that they'll remember much more what you do more than whether or not you tell them how to do something. So they're watching you all the time. Claire, that is absolutely terrifying. (laughs) I am just going to move right along (laughs) from that because I don't want to think about my own, own parenting that critically. Claire, your gorgeous daughter Lily appears on the album very briefly and it's the song that my son always requests at home as a result. I want to ask this question in the context of Lily. You have taken this huge leap, you've taken risks, you have brought to life something that's sort of been latent within you for a really long time, pushed down for so many reasons and you've gone through this incredible process of of doing something very, very new. What do you want for Lily when she's older? What do you hope she takes from watching you do this? Oh, just to be fully herself, you know, fully full of herself in the most beautiful way. Um, And I never want her to receive a message that she's too much because she is super enthusiastic and joyful. You can hear it on the record in that song, Free. Um, And that song, actually, some of the lyrics are, we can unlearn all the things they told us we should be. And I just want her to walk through the world and my son too, rather than then worrying about 
everyone's external pressures and and what they want to put on you. And also the the second verse is about bodies, that bodies can break. Sometimes we forget that, that our bodies are precious and that we need to care for them rather than being so critical of them. For me, that's what I want for her. And I, and one of the reasons I did this, a big reason, is because I gave birth to her and thought, I want her to know that if she wanted to be a singer, she could bloody well be one, you know? Claire, thank you so much for being my guest on The Weekend Briefing. Thank you so much, Jan. That's it for my conversation with Claire Tonti. Matrescence is available now on Spotify. You can check out more of Claire's music and all of her merch at clairetonti.com. Don't go away. The weekend list is coming up. It is weekend list time and we're excited because we have a new bringer of the recommendations joining us today. Helen Smith is the new producer of The Weekend Briefing. Welcome, Helen. Thank you. Thank you so much, Shamila. I'm super excited to jump on board and take over from the wonderful Bron, who's left me in your amazing hands. So yeah, it's going to be great. Sure is. So first things first, I am thrilled to hear you are a musical fan just like me. What did you see on the weekend? Yeah. So my first recommendation, I saw Rocky Horror the Musical at Theatre Royal over the weekend. and It was really good. Uh, Jason Donovan from Neighbours here actually played Frankenfurter and it was awesome. I was really surprised. It was a great show overall and definitely go see it if you can. That sounds awesome. Very keen to see it. I am a musical obsessive as everybody knows. I, however, did something very unlike me and went to a museum on the weekend, folks, because that's that's kind of cultured person I am. Uh, I was in Canberra over the weekend, so get ready for some uh, national capital themed recommendations. And I went and saw the feared and revered exhibition Feminine Power Through the Ages at the National Museum of Australia. And it was so good. Um, it is a exhibition that's come to Australia from the British Museum. And it is all about an exploration of goddesses and demons and witches and spirits and saints um, through the ages and how uh, sort of different mythology about women has shaped our understanding of the world. It was absolutely fascinating and I won't lie, I often judge a museum by its gift shop and the uh, celebration of the feminine power through the ages gift shop was a massive winner as well. Wow, that actually sounds so cool. That's amazing. Well, yeah, my second recommendation is a TV show called Not Dead Yet. It's on Disney Plus and it's with Gina Rodriguez, who was in Jane the Virgin. Yes, I remember. It's about this lady who comes back from London and she's actually a journalist, a writer, and she comes back from London after a failed love and she kind of has to restart her career and it's a really, it's a nice, like, easy watch. It's a good watch to have on in the background. It's called Not Dead Yet because she is tasked to write obituaries when she comes back from London. And there's a twist that happens about every obituary that she has to write. And I'm really loving it. What are you going to put me on? City Beat? Crime Beat? The Dead Beat. Oh, my God, you're putting me on obituaries? Everyone has a story, and it's your job to find it. (gasps) Don't you come any closer, I will kill you. Don't bother. I'm already dead. Oh, my God, you're my obituary? Ta-da! Nope. Uh Uh-uh. No, I do not see dead people. Oh, that sounds awesome. And I'm on the hunt for something new to watch at the moment, having, 
Oh, fakes. I watched way too many seasons of New Amsterdam, which, as we know, is just woke Grey's Anatomy. But it was fun, but it needs to come to an end. I need to watch something better. So that is a great recommendation. Uh, Coming at you from Canberra again, folks, I did a lot of eating on the weekend, a lot of eating. And if you're in Canberra, I want to make two recommendations. The first one is Pialago Estate Winery, which is just stunningly beautiful. And impressively, their restaurant makes almost 90% of what goes into their meals is grown on site. Uh, So I had an incredible tour of the winery, but also the orchards and the kitchen gardens afterwards. And they managed to make sure that what they are creating in in terms of a food journey is constructed from ingredients that they can grow on site, which is obviously really great and sustainable, but also means everything tastes deliciously fresh and smells exactly the way it's supposed to, because it hasn't, you know, traveled across states or countries and been in storage and freezers for so long. So definitely recommend Pialago Estate Winery. Also recommend Monster Bar, where I ate far too often over the weekend uh, because it was in the ground floor of the hotel I was staying at. It was delicious. Everything was delicious. There was not a single dish that I didn't enjoy. A really great one if you are vegan, vegetarian, or have a lot of dietary requirements. Um, There's no meat on the menu and they were really great at changing things around and doing different bits and pieces for various people who I was eating with when I kept going back there. I recommend everything. There is not one thing I can recommend because it was all completely delicious. Uh, You should get there as soon as you can. Folks, that's it for the weekend briefing today. Thank you so much for being with us. Welcome to Helen Smith. We will be back with you bright and early on Monday morning where Tom and the team will have the latest headlines straight to your headphones. In the meantime, please make sure that you never miss an episode of The Briefing by heading to the listener app now or downloading it if you don't already have it and following us there or you can follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You know what to do. Leave us a five-star rating. Leave us a really lovely review. I know you haven't done it. I've noticed you haven't done it, folks, because I never do it. But today we're going to share our love for great podcasts and we're all going to go and give a lovely review and rating to podcasts that we like. And you can start with this one. Stay safe, you all. Listener.